0: Hello everyone, this is Charting Queer Health, a podcast at the intersection of queer culture, healthcare, and research. On behalf of Howard Brown Health in Chicago, I'm your host, Matt. I am a cis, white, gay man, a recent transplant to Chicago, and I have the incredible opportunity to sit down with various experts across our organization and across our community to learn from their expertise, amplify their stories and voices, and advance the conversation surrounding queer healthcare. Joining us today is Maya Green. Maya, thank you for coming. Would you mind introducing yourself, uh, your role here at Howard Brown, and your pronouns?
1: Sure. Hi. Thanks for having me. My name is Maya Green. I'm the Chief Medical Officer here at Howard Brown Health. I enjoy any respectable pronoun. More importantly, my purpose is to facilitate community healing, and I'm glad to be here to talk more about that.
0: So facilitating community healing, that's a big term. Yes. Dive into that a little bit for us.
1: Sure. Well, you know, history shows that communities that have been uh, historically overlooked and underserved already know what they need to get from their health A to their health B. And as a healthcare provider or any kind of healer, my job is to come in ask the community what they need and facilitate those things arriving into the community, not necessarily to decide what a community needs and kind of push out my ideas, but more to come in as a support community is Batman. I'm Robin.
0: I love that. I love that analogy of just kind of like being there for them, whatever they need. You're at, you're at their disposal to kind of, like you said, get from health A to health point a to health point B. Uh, That's a great way of putting it. Um, Brought you here today to talk a little bit about COVID, actually a lot of bit about COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It feels a little bit like a worn out topic. Yeah. Uh, we hear it from the news, from our friends, from our family, from our workplaces. So I kind of want to try to cut through the noise, uh, give our listeners a kind of update about where um, we're at within Howard Brown, within the city of Chicago within the nation and kind of some practical tips on how to navigate this time um, logistically because uh, we have a second episode coming with kind of the emotional ramifications of COVID, but we're here to talk about the logistics in terms mm-hmm. of quarantine, quarantining, excuse me, um, vaccines, boosters, etc. cetera. Um, so starting right in from your assessment, where are we sitting uh, um, in terms of transmission levels for the city of Chicago? What's our dominant strain? How are our numbers? Where, where are we at?
1: Well, that's a great question. Currently, they've been about there've been about thirty-seven thousand hospitalizations due to, as I call it, Miss Rona. Miss Rona, because right? she's embedded, embedded herself in the community, mm. you know? and it's time for us to get, you know, the formalities. It's time for us to really get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been about sixty-eight hundred deaths, and over five hundred thousand cases, and so even though currently in in this space we sit in, the rates are currently going down. We have to remember, uh, when this started, I remember people being like, we're all in the same boat. And no, there's a storm. We're not all in the same boat. Some people sitting on yachts, some people trying to canoe, and some people on the raft, and then some people are literally trying to swim on their own and drowning in this storm of this pandemic, right? You mentioned that, yeah, it is tiring because imagine yourself caught in, or you don't have to imagine because we're actually in it um, in a pandemic fight or flight and your cortisol, your hormones, and your, oh no, Mm -hmm. kind of energy is up. We're only made to tolerate that emotional state for a, a certain amount of time. Right now we're over two years into it, which most pandemics do last minimum two years, but our bodies are tired. Our minds are tired, but, we have to stay the course, because who's not tired is Miss Rona, right? You talked about surges. Look at the variance. She's changing gowns and doing everything she can't. She to took her
0: wig off. She's somebody new. Try, She's trying to back. stay
1: relevant. <laughs> She's trying to stay relevant in the community. And when it looks like so, when we talk about our LGBTQ um, plus community, when we talk about Our black and brown communities, other parts, uh, and they're not separate, right? Our communities blend kind of like a Venn diagram. I'm Mm. kind of a nerd about it. But they blend together. When we talk about what that looks like, it looks like we have to come to a place where we do everything we can to protect our tribe, protect ourselves, protect our community. And so what we've kind of been doing, so that's where we are, um, looking in the city. What the city's kind of looking like, the city of Chicago. We're in Chicago, Chi-Town, stand <laughs> up. Shy town stand up. So we're in the city of Chicago. And what that looks like compared to other cities is we're doing everything we can. I've never seen Chicago kind of, you, when I say Miss Rona is changing her gown, we've had Protect Chicago, Protect Chicago Plus, Shine Vax, all these other, you know, I see uh, these posters that says... Uh, it looks like a fry and a hamburger, but it's really coronavirus and the flu. And it's like, this the combo you don't want. Right. So we've, in the city of Chicago, we've changed our gown, changed our wig, put on, you know, we've done so much to talk to different communities about what it means to go back to protecting that tribe. I think we've done a great job. Um, of course, it's the coronavirus, so it's going to go in different communities and it's going to, you know, and then, we have to do everything we can to try to prepare as much as we can. But because it's a virus and it mutates and it causes variants when it goes another course, we have to gather together as one human race to address where it is at that time.
0: I love that. I love the analogy of, um, you know, we say that we're all in the same boat, but there's actually many different, um, boats or watercrafts, so to speak, or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, can you paint kind of a picture of, of the different situations and the different kind of boats that different communities are dealing with? Sure. Um, because this pandemic is kind of isolating in that it's very easy to focus on yourself and the people around you around mm-hmm. you's response to the pandemic and how you're faring, um, but it's a bit harder to look into different communities, especially if you don't interact with them on a daily basis, yeah. um, to try to see how other people are doing.
1: Yeah, that, no, that's real. That's real. Um, when I think about the LGBTQ community, so historically we know that the LGBTQ community is, uh, has experienced being labeled as the other. Mm -hmm. The other means, meaning other than um, whatever was the standard quo. And a lot of times, um, that's where our chosen families come from, right? And so part of the heart of the LGBTQ plus community is gathering. We have balls. We have safe spaces. We have all these things to come out of what our – up the environment that we are, our blood family is in, or our academic family is in, or our work family is in, into spaces. You it reminds me of, um, uh, remember that show, Cheers? You might not know, you Cheers. know, yeah. I'm yeah. over here, you know, I'm over here looking 21, and you know, but however, you know, what I'm saying, I can know, I'm old enough to, I'm ageless and old enough to know what Cheers is, mm-hmm. and they send sing, sing that song. Sometimes you want to go where oh, yeah. everybody, everybody knows, knows. Listen, your name, right? Instead mm-hmm. of your dead name. And they're always glad you came, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I think about what that means for the people sing that song, but think about that in context of the LGBTQ community. Right? right?
0: People that know you for who dead you are. Dead names are
1: not used there. Yeah. People know you exactly for who you are now. That's where the gathering and we know the ball scene came from. Mm-hmm. That's where all these, we talk about safe spaces. Now imagine then being in a space where they're saying, don't gather past this number of people. Try to stay, keep your physical distance. They're saying social distance, but, um, you know, I work hard to talk about what it means to keep physical distance because um, certainly even right now you and I are greater than six feet apart, mm-hmm. Right. But that doesn't mean we can't be socially connected. And so finding spaces to do that. Um, so going back to what that meant and what it currently means for our LGBTQ plus community. Um, so and we can say, yes, yeah, what, 2020, the, the years are blurring since <laughs> Miss Rona right. has Apparently entered my we're, life. I'm
0: told we're in 2022. Right. I don't
1: know <laughs> yeah, so in 2022, we can say, oh, the advances have been made. We have people that are still living that reality, Mm -hmm. okay? And so looking at what that means, the opportunity to gather is lessened, and looking at the mental and emotional impact that's having on that community, um, we're seeing it be a lot and overwhelming. So um, as facilitating what that means for a facilitator of community healing is when the rates go down and we have the opportunity to gather, sometimes we have to move at pandemic speed to organize gatherings. Um, when it's not, we have to go into that same community. If the race doesn't say that, we go into that same community and be like, hey, I know you planned this, but but here's what. And, and then not only just cancel it, but here's what may be 75% healing to you I know I can't give you 100% because nothing replaces seeing a human face I remember Mm. when we first had the shutdown and then after the shutdown if you notice everybody people at work you never really you just say hi all of a sudden seeing their face is like a superstar you know that's the same thing for our communities of color you know great celebrations something good happens we gather Something not so good, somebody transitions, we gather. Something in the middle happens and we need to make a life change, we gather. We gotta have a family meeting. Mm -hmm. Everything is about the gathering of human to human and we call it fellowshipping, you know? So it's out here and those are some of the things we're seeing that's hitting hard.
0: Kind of going back to the practicalities of testing and rapid tests and test sites and at-home tests and Mm -hmm. quarantine precautions, I know for me that has evolved so much over the course of the pandemic it went from it's impossible to get tests to oh it's super easy because we don't feel like we need them to oh now it's impossible again and now you can do them at home um i know it seems a little bit confusing about what what to listen to because sometimes one can be positive and then negative and mm-hmm. then you should quarantine or within 90 days you could still test positive what are um either good rules of thumbs rules of thumbs, what's a good rule of thumb uh, for people to keep in mind when they're trying to be proactive and test themselves, or what is something that you think people are missing when it comes to, you know, trying to stay on top of this?
1: The first thing, thank you for that question, the first thing I always kind of think about is um, the realization that science is the continued commitment to finding the truth. That truth is going to look different depending on what variant it is. That truth is going to look different depending on the vaccination status kind of around us. And we'll get into that if we have time. Mm -hmm. And that when that truth changes, it is the purpose and obligation of people like the CDC, CDPH, um, your healthcare provider, to relay that current information in a way that whoever whoever the receiver is understands what that means is the value of testing is going to change the value of of where we stand with vaccinations it's going to change we're going to need boosters we're going to need that because if the virus mutates then we have to change our course to accommodate it And, you know, I I feel like a lot of times in this pandemic, we we see a lot where people are like, oh, I want all the answers now. So do we. (laughs) Trust me, I'm a scientist. I want all the answers, I promise you, yesterday, please. You know, I want them all. Um, In a pandemic, pandemic, and when they say novel coronavirus, it was because we had never seen this particular virus. That's what novel kind of means to a lot of people. And so because we've never seen it, and as it mutates, we do have to change our course, you know. Um, but is it, it is important that we kind of stay the course. So I, I think um, when we talk about testing, um, one uh, the other thing I try to have people realize is there are three levels of prevention when you think of any disease, right? I did a fellowship in HIV medicine, so I'm going to relate it to HIV. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when we think about, it, or and I'll throw in diabetes too, because I'm a family medicine doctor. <laughs> I uh, go off. family man. Okay, but so when you think about HIV and diabetes, primary prevention is everything we do to make sure that diabetes, HIV, and in the case of coronavirus, coronavirus never enters our bodies and our communities, right? So, for in the case of HIV, that would be prep. Once a day medicine and soon to come some injections that are, you know, you don't have to take once a day to protect your body against HIV if your body ever encounters it, right? Um, when you talk about diabetes, that is um, watching the amount of sugar that's in my body. I'm a person with a family history of diabetes. So, for pre- a primary prevention for me is sometimes, you know, having that cake just on Saturday and not the rest of the days. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't need Jenny's ice cream every single day, even though in my spirit, Jenny, what are you doing? Hey, girl. You know, so making sure I don't do do that every day and keeping my body active. That's primary prevention. Everything I'm going to do to make sure I don't get diabetes, right? Primary prevention for the coronavirus or COVID-19 is vaccination, right? Mask wearing, hand washing, physical distancing, but socially connecting. That's primary prevention. Everything I'm doing to make sure I, I don't end up with that disease. Secondary prevention is the testing. So once you, wind, once you find yourself in that testing space, we are already screening to, to see who has it. So annual stuff, getting your annual HIV 13 to 64, recommendation, people 13 to 64, with immune systems. Come on, stigma, gone and gone. You know, stigma and Rona is they tight girlfriends, and I, I don't like either of them. Can't stand them. But anyway, recommendation annual um, for people with an immune system is to screen for HIV. Mm-hmm. Also, recommendation annually is to screen for diabetes. Right. So once you get that test, I'm already at secondary prevention screening to see. So once you show up for that nasal swab, that rapid, you're at secondary prevention for coronavirus. So what that looks like is realize where you are, you know, and then when we look at the PCR, that's that swab that sometimes takes like time to come back. Mm -hmm. What they're doing is. They're, they're making sure they check it and check it and check it again and look at the different things that, you know, the genetic sequence, just look, 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 to make sure. I didn't get it, see anything the first time. I didn't see anything the six, uh, the 10th time. Or I did see it the first time. I did see it the 10th time. That's a sure, 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 sure that PCR is what is the highly recommended test, mm-hmm. right? They're rapids because we want to check and make sure, you know, uh, have you – kind of been exposed to it, in your body, things like that, and are you diagnosed with it, you know, but the standard, gold standard is going to be that PCR, right? That rapid comes back, I always say, hey, you want it fast, you want to right? Not to say that they're not right, but the PCR mm. has receipts. Yes, It's the one with the receipts, honey. The one that's greater, like, hey, I'm the one, we want it, yes and no, we want it solid, and you want it thorough, you get your PCR, but that's secondary prevention. Tertiary prevention, um, which is making the the other thing that's happening that's making the face of COVID-19 look a lot different are our pill medications, you know, monoclonal antibodies, things we do once a person has already gotten diagnosed with a disease to keep them from having super severe outcomes. right? So when we look at coronavirus, the ventilators, things like that, once you've already been diagnosed, when we look at diabetes, once you've been diagnosed, you know, we do, oh, we got to get our foot screenings. We got to get our eye screenings. We got to right. check that hemoglobin A1C, and you got to come to these doctor's visits. And if you get in the hospital, that insulin, or, or if you're out of the hospital and, and it's gotten really bad, the insulin, right? Those are things we do, right? In the case of HIV, that long-term, like once you get in the hospital, the care, the team that comes, all that stuff, right? Right. Park that because we know that people living with HIV, if they get into care early and if they take their medicines every day, we live long, healthy lives, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with diabetes, same thing with COVID-19. So tertiary, sorry, I probably nerded out on you. Primary, secondary, tertiary, uh, prevention. Mm-hmm. What I want to ask people to do is trust the science with the primary prevention. Don't, like, then we get tertiary. You trust me with the ventilator? Hey, right. trust me early in the game so you don't have to get in the hands of a ventilator, things like that.
0: That's an excellent way to phrase it. Like, <laughs> if you're going to trust me to, with a ventilator to intubate you or whatever else may yeah. come, why don't you trust on the first stage when we're trying to prevent that from happening? Like, yeah. It, and, it makes so much sense. But. And
1: you know what? There Then, on that, to not – one of the things in community we do is to – I don't want to – when I say that, I also don't want to gaslight people. So people have historical context of why they have trouble automatically trusting. Mm-hmm. But then that's when I say, hey, we're, we're in a place – you know, as a facilitator of community healing, I feel like I was born at the right time, you know, to do this right now. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's something that's not, like, super fun all the time because of the hard work we're doing. But the outcome is super rewarding. And those of us that are called to this, we couldn't see ourselves doing anything else, you know. So with that, I say, we're also born at a time where our medical um, providers and our scientists that are working on this are so diverse, right? Right. So if you're out there and I'm talking about Miss Rona and Miss Stigma and I don't like them and you don't know me, find a provider you trust. Find a scientist you trust that you can connect with and then believe them on the primary at the primary prevention level. You know,
0: that makes perfect sense. And I think I think everybody's kind of uh, persuaded to have stand ins for the primary care provider when it comes to the news or a loved one or something that's on Facebook where it's like. Oh, well, I heard this. So that must be correct. Um, but it really just comes down to forming uh, a trusting relationship with your primary care provider, somebody who has a similar experience to you, mm-hmm. that can can really give you uh, give you the information. Yeah. Um, oh, oh. No, you're fine. So We're, the
1: other pandemic yeah. we have, you just hit it right. You went right in that pocket. The other pandemic we have is misinformation. Period. Right. Yeah. Um, very closely, the twin of stigma. Mm-hmm. The twin. Mm-hmm. They're twins and they're not pretty. No. They have ugly faces. Ugly substances. Yeah, <laughs> But the pandemic of misinformation, things like Facebook and Instagram, my social media is is programmed to show me the things that are common to the people around me and it gives me more of what I believe, mm-hmm. right? And um, nobody loves when we say this, but I be like, you know, we talk about Miss Rona, we talk about Miss Stigma. Mr. Facebook, <laughs> Mr. Google, without any super degrees, you know what I'm saying, was not sitting next to me. When I went, I did not see them. They did not take my test for me, they you know, things like B. that. Or, or the F. provider you trust. Right, They went in medical school with them next to them taking notes, you know. So we can't put our hands in – we can't put our lives in the hands of Facebook. Yeah. They did not train for that. They're not committed to your livelihood or your wellness. At all,
0: you and, know? Yeah, in fact, some people might say they're uh, the opposite of committed to your, to your health and wellness in a mm-hmm. lot of cases, if it, if it if it helps their bottom line in certain cases. Right. That's, that's a whole different like, podcast. Some
1: people like history. Yeah. <laughs> right? Some people like literature. Yeah. Some people like facts, you know?
0: Exactly. They say that, yeah. Um, I think, especially with this most recent surge, something that's been interesting to me is in communities that either have great access to healthcare, um, are- predominantly pretty wealthy or, um, are well vaccinated, there's this tendency, especially with Omicron to be like, well, it's just a cold. And Mm -hmm. i like, I know for me, I had, uh, I had COVID in early October, Mm -hmm. had like a night of mild symptoms, lost my smell for a few days and was fine. Mm -hmm. And then I had strep like three weeks later and it was the worst experience. Mm -hmm. So there is this tendency to be like, well, it was mild for me. Mm -hmm. So why should I push back my wedding? Why Mm -hmm. should I not attend a funeral? Why should Mm -hmm. I do any of those things? Especially if I'm vaccinated because I did everything right. And even if I get it or spread it, it's so mild, what does it matter? Mm -hmm. Um, I think obviously a lot of us know the answer to this, but what would you say to people that have that point of view? Because Like, I I get it. It's not correct, but I see where people are forming those conclusions from, and it's like, you can't – I don't know. It's just – it's one of those things.
1: Hmm. Well, you know those boats we talked about? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know – I'm vaccinated. I don't know your situation. Um, yep, I am, um, and I, you know, and I assume that. But I, mm-hmm. you know, and you know what? You're not vaccinated against strep. That's why it's awful. <laughs> you didn't like that. You know yep. what I'm saying? But when you're vaccinated against it, that is exactly that means the vaccine did its job, mm-hmm. right? And we'll, if you want to, we'll get into kind of what vaccines do and what the COVID nineteen vaccines do. But the bottom line is. If you were vaccinated to the extent that the science says, right? So when you got vaccinated, I think the protocol was um, either two, you know, a a first course. I don't know when you got it, if the booster was Mm. out. But once you've gotten that, you're on the yacht. Mm. You're on the yacht. Now, is it your obligation to look outside that yacht and see that person on the raft? And see that person drowning, and throw the lifeboat out. It absolutely is mm-hmm. COVID, like no other disease I've seen before. Tests our ability to move as one human race. You can't say, "Well, why didn't you get your yacht out?" You know, where's your yacht, honey? No, you know, and and, and that's it, it. I'm vaccinated, and so that's what I would be doing if I looked at people that are not yet vaccinated and said, "Well, why didn't you?" Oh, it's your fault or how come you don't and I'm still going to have my yacht party because I'm vaccinated um, because and so w- what that looks like in coronavirus is every time the virus gets a chance or host right it, every time the ch- the virus finds a body to rest in or infect somebody it tries to it get, it starts replicating and if it replicated replicates yeah. or you know it has a chance to mutate And change right so we've had what alpha delta now we're at omicron omicron is you know when you hear variants Mm -hmm. that means the virus mutated long story short the virus mutated and if i'm not vaccinated and also if i'm not wearing my mask keeping my physical distance um and looking for ways to connect socially. I'm going to say that every time um, because we are humans and we are built to have social connections, okay? Um, If I'm not doing that, then the purpose of the vaccine is to prevent severe outcomes. Does that mean that there's a chance that I might get coronavirus even though I'm vaccinated? It means yes. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is when I, you know, if I do get coronavirus, I have a couple of nights of not feeling well, maybe one, like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, but... It goes away, so I that virus has a very short window because my body is already primed with the vaccine to deal with it. You know, you know. I don't know. I don't know who's listening, but have you ever? I'm mean, gonna use the word butt if that's okay. Heiney, <laughs> it's you, another you word can, for heiney. You can use. I'm that not gonna word. use the other word for it. <laughs> you can but use when it I every grew moment. up, when I grew up, there was a saying called. I'll say kicking butt. You can fill in whatever. Mm-hmm. What, Whatever you used to, fill it in, yeah. kicking butt and taking names, yeah. right? The the vaccine actually primes the body mm-hmm. to, it takes a spike protein of the vi- virus, not the actual virus, so nobody's putting the vi- actual virus in you, just yeah. like, um, I'm, a, I'm a meat eater, I don't know people's lives, I don't know your life out there, but when I go get a chicken wing, I'm eating... A chicken, a dead part of a chicken. I'm not eating a whole live chicken, mm-hmm. right? So the same thing. When I get a vaccine, I'm getting a spike protein from the outside of it. I'm not getting a whole live coronavirus with the reproductive parts right. and everything else, right? It's a perk. So, but what that spike protein does is once it gets in my body, my body's military, called the immune system, primes up, and it, you know, just like the branches of the military, army, navy. Coast Guard, Marines, I'm forgetting Air Force, right? Yeah. And I don't know the rest of so, um, right now. But I
0: think the Space body... Force is the thing now. <laughs> maybe... Space
1: Force, boom, Space Force. I didn't Donald Trump. Like that? I'm missing my comment. No, I, don't... But... Well, I, don't... I have
0: <laughs> oh, no wait, idea. Wait, it's a whole
1: okay. All right, but the <laughs> branches of the military, the body has branches of its soldiers, its mm-hmm. immune system, its military, and when that spike tri- protein comes in, the body's like, oh, what you want to do? It kicks his butt, that spike protein, but it also takes the name. Mm. So when Miss Rona come back in and it recognizes the sp- spike protein off of the outside of the virus, that military branch that took that name comes back on site. It's like, what you want to do? right? Right. So when I get my vaccine, I prime my body to that, and that's why coronavirus had a shorter course in you, mm-hmm. and it was done mm-hmm. and away with. What you did for your community is... You made sure that virus didn't stay long. And you like, Miss Rona, get up out of here. Mm-hmm. You got about 24 hours of chill. you You got to get up out of here. She don't have a place to stay. So she doesn't have a space to replicate. And she doesn't have a space to mutate. And so she can't make herself worse in the communities that you are part of and you live and work in and love in.
0: I love that analogy of kind of like uh, Corona as a visitor to your home and your home being your body. So mm-hmm. your are your vaccine is your security system to your home, but mm-hmm. uh, distancing from other people is ensuring that she can't go next door, right. hop to the next house over, mm-hmm. and ask for a place to stay there. So when you're when you're distancing, you're removing your house, yes. your body away from everybody yes. else. So that way, mm-hmm. Corona doesn't have a chance to mutate. Enough. I
1: don't know if you saw Forrest Gump again. Yes, I... again. I'm looking 21, but
0: I'm ageless.
1: <laughs> um, but Forrest Gump. Remember, they was like, you can't sit here. Oh, yeah, Jen- yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what we're saying to Ms. Roney. You Absolutely. can't sit here. They couldn't find a place on the bus. You can't find a place in my community. Get going, girl.
0: Exactly. Yep. I, I love that. <laughs> so it, it kind of helps put into perspective because, it's like I said before, it's really easy to, like, just look at a mild case, especially if you're actually going be like, oh, well, that's it. But it's it's the long-term community ramifications of allowing a virus, uh, a host, and the ability to mutate and to change. And that's why, like, we keep getting these headlines mm-hmm. of, delta and omicron and all these things and mm-hmm. it's like that's that's where the the distancing and the quarantine comes in and preventing yeah. that so um that's good a good psa um i forget where i was gonna go with this next um a lot of us are hopeful there's been some new uh, medical breakthroughs when it comes to um i think there was a vaccine out of walter reed that's uh, apparently Effective against multiple different strains mm-hmm. of of COVID, and there's a lot of breakthroughs with um, uh, treatment for people who are suffering with severe side effects of COVID. I know you said earlier that pandemics last minimum two to three years. We are, I guess, officially in year three, if you Mm -hmm. uh, look at it that way. Do we see an end to this? What could it look like? Mm -hmm. Some people speculate like, oh, we'll be getting boosters every year like the flu. Mm -hmm. You know, masks are going to be around forever. You know, there's a kind of wide spectrum when it comes to what the future could look like. What do you you envision in the next year, two years, three years?
1: Well, I... You know, there are two parts of every disease, you know, what the disease itself wants to do and how we respond to that disease, the treatments, and the unification of our human race as one. How we as humans respond. That's the second part. Every time we miss that second part, it gets us, mm-hmm. right? So for instance, if I'm like, hey, you know, I live in Illinois, so I'm gonna do whatever I want to do because the rates are low, just like that raft, yeah. the you know, that yacht we own now yep. that we vaccinated, we're on the vaccinated yacht. Yeah. Um, then it's gonna bite us in the butt because coronavirus again tests our ability to move as one human race. So now we have therapeutics on board. Um they have entered the chat room, if you will. And that's why the hot, the death rates are low, because the therapeutics have entered the chat room, honey. Mm-hmm. But um, the second part, we can't say, here is the, vac- here is the virus, here's the medications, here's the therapeutics, here's the monoclonal antibodies, here's the ventilators. We can't say that um, alone and miss it. So the answer to your question is, the end of this depends on, how we move as one human race. Because we can, again, remember those are tertiary prevention mm. That means the person already got it. And yeah. as we know when we look at social determinants of health you can put any disease up against the social determinants of health. I talked about diabetes. I talked about HIV. Let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about asthma. Let's talk about I use Hep C because this helps my narrative. Right? So Hep C there is a cure for Hep C. So if you're out there Wonder if you got Hep C? Go ahead and do the secondary prevention. Get screened. And if you are diagnosed with Hep C, there's medication out there. So I got my hand up. I got my little five hand. My Mm -hmm. fingers are the branches. I got my little bark which is my arm. And down here, where my elbow are are the roots, Mm -hmm. right? I'm cutting off a branch. I'm cutting off my thumb. I'm cutting off Hep C. That tree is going to grow another branch. It can be called coronavirus Mm. why because the problem was never the branch the problem is the root of the tree and that's inequities and social determinants of health right Mm -hmm. so as long as i'm sitting on my yacht deciding what what i can do because i feel like it because i've got vaccinated and what access looks like for me and my tribe and forgetting my fellow human and their tribe thinking i'm not part of them I'm actually extending the course of the disease. Mm-hmm. So, you're, I, I can't answer your question. We as humans have to answer yeah. your question. Look at cholera. I don't know if people recall They had like five, six surges. Mm-hmm. And every time the root of the surge were people were just going out and doing what they want to do because they felt protected. Mm-hmm. Right. And then cholera was like, thank you, human, for not operating as a unit. And, you know, he hopped himself on down the road and went to, a, a, you know, I'm going to restaurants. I'm not considering the, The maybe the people that are working in the restaurant and then moving to other, you know, places in the city, other neighborhoods where the rate is high and the death rate is high and and, um, cultures that are bearing the brunt of coronavirus and every other illness historically. Mm -hmm. I have to move. I cannot see myself as separate and I can never see them as the other.
0: That's... Ooh, you articulate that so well. For some reason, it came to mind like a, a nature documentary where a, you know, a lion or what have you is hunting a pack of zebras or antelope or whatever. They group together and move as a unit because it's harder for, you know, it's it's safer th- for them altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the same way, like, we can't just be like, well, I'm out front. Some They're going to get somebody behind me, but at least it's not me. Right. Like, it'll be you eventually. So it's it's always better to, to move as a unit mm-hmm. to get everybody on board that same yacht mm-hmm. or in the same herd mm-hmm. or tribe or what have you um, to kind of help us bring about an end to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how you touched on the social determinants of health and how um, I think we it's kind of putting in the forefront of people's minds, the, the different, um, access to healthcare that different communities have. But for those of us that have worked in the healthcare industry, it's really nothing new, um, when it comes to, uh, communities that have been historically affected by whether it's, uh, you know, epidemic or HIV or anything like that. Um, can you touch on kind of why Howard Brown was well-equipped to jump in when this sure. uh, pandemic happened? Because, I mean, it, it seems like since we were so used to serving underserved, communities that we were able to do the same thing when it came to this pandemic.
1: Right. As you know, we started in 1974 uh, on the north side of Chicago um, serving the LGBTQ plus community Mm -hmm. in an affirming way because they wanted to go where everybody knew their (laughs) name. I
0: have to watch Cheers now.
1: And we were always glad you
0: came. I know the theme song, but I yes. never see that.
1: And then we were always glad you came is mm-hmm. part of the second part, right? Yeah. A place where people are are, are affirmed
0: mm-hmm. and get
1: affirming care. So we started that way. And one of our one of our foundational one of our foundational principles is affirming care. But guess what? Everybody wants affirming care. Mm-hmm. Whether I identify as gay, straight, none of my business, whatever it is, you know. Um, where, whether or not they identify with a specific gender or they're non-binary or what or, or none of my business again, or they want me out their business. They mm-hmm. still want to farm a kid, you yeah. know. Um, and so because we're, we that is part of our foundational principles. when this and look at what we did when HIV ravaged mm-hmm. the country, you know and people were associating it with a sexual orientation, which is crazy because HIV is human immunodeficiency virus. Human. Human. You you count the word. Human. (laughs) Immunodeficiency. So if you're a human with an immune system, you see what I'm saying? Boom. mm -hmm. You know, you're impacting. We realized that early in the game. And so provided affirming care, but also we realized early in the game that as long as we as humans don't respond as one unit, when HIV came out, we are going to stay at the forefront and do what you, you talked about or heard. We're going to have to, part of facilitating community healing as an organization is in that scenario you mentioned with the hyenas and the lions, right? Hyenas, they'll come in and they'll, you know, attack one lion when it's by itself, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the, like, documentaries where... It would just take one or two other lions. They don't even have to engage. They can just come right there and stand right. there and look Make at the hyenas. Known, yeah. And then what happens? Yeah, they're gone. Right. They're gone. Because they are the the part of that lion tribe that are standing in the gap and saying, no, this injustice is not okay. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to be here. And you can try it, Miss Rona, if you want. But as I say, when I grew up on Southside, it's going to be one. It's going to be one, Mm -hmm. you know? And so what we've done and we realized that was part of our niche. So what we did when we saw the pandemic, we looked back, we saw the history. We didn't need to wait for studies to show that it was going to impact certain, you know, certain Mm -hmm. communities, black and brown communities. And then, you know, we didn't wait for them to say, hey, you had to travel to London, China and all this and not test the people that didn't. We knew what it was going to do because what? History. Right. And so. We, and then we knew that we would have to start having conversations about what the coronavirus is, what it's not, um, because we're part of the community that's still having those conversations about what HIV is and mm-hmm. what it's not, right? So we knew this um, because history. So we were able to establish the first um, coronavirus test intent on the South Side, and then we quickly, within a week, pivoted to establish, <laughs> to, to serve our Latinx community mm-hmm. Um on the west side of Chicago and provide services to them. Low barrier, no cost to patients, because what you're doing then, you're looking at a community and saying, hey, you know, the algorithm says sometimes says, hey, you can get tested if you fit within this criteria that we, you know, have created that a lot of times the people at the table creating it our, our gear, it gets geared towards people that mm-hmm. look like them. So we were able to be like, hmm. Affirming care says this is going to happen. So it looked like we had a magic wand, but maybe our magic wand is affirming care. But but also the truth was we just went with the pattern of history yeah. and said, where are we going to stand? And so Howard Brown is a federally qualified health center. We see people with, regardless of ability to pay. So that was our window. Like, you don't, you know, you don't, we don't have to move into a place where you have to pay to get a test. We don't have to move into the place where you have to pay to get a vaccination. We don't. We're a federally qualified health center. Built on affirming care that moves, that has, has learned how to move its care and wrap itself around the community and the individual in front of us. So not only are we Robin to the Batman of the community, when you come to us, we are Robin to you're a Batman or mm-hmm. a Batwoman or Bat none of my business. Great.
0: I love the Batman. So that's of my the
1: that's that that's why Howard Brown was able and continues to be able to serve the community the way it did.
0: Yeah, I think it paints a, a really hopeful picture of what healthcare could look like on a broad scale when it comes to. Um, kind of being equipped with that knowledge of, of how communities operate because, I mean, medicine is both a art and a science in a way. It's mm-hmm. a science in that we have clear-cut remedies to, you know, scientific problems in our body, but it's also, um, you know, an art in that you're communicating with people <laughs> and different communities that have historically different relationships to each other and mm-hmm. to medicine. And so um, it's kind of, it's a, it seems like Howard Brown has a better marriage of those two concepts mm-hmm. where, you know, we are helping a community and not expecting a community to come to us for help.
1: Yes. If that makes yes. sense.
0: Um, I think it's interesting, uh, kind of the concept of, um, like what sort of what I just talked about of how when the vaccine Uh, initially came out um, it wasn't available to everyone do you think I know we initially I think it was just essential workers in 65 and older Um, Mm -hmm. do you think that it could have that initial criteria could have been tailored a little bit to kind of uh, help offset the impact in certain communities was that made in not made an error but could have could it have been altered a little bit
1: um um, (laughs) oh very good question so Remember when I said science is the continued commitment to finding the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So when that, when that algorithm of who gets the vaccine, who doesn't get the vaccine is made, um, as we find out more, they did change the algorithm, let's mm-hmm. just say that. Part of what Howard Brown did is, A, we looked at history, right? So essential workers, who are essential to the people in our community? And then we vaccinate them because why? They are the tribe leaders. Mm-hmm. They're the people that the community is going to come to. It's not a me, like you said, sitting, prescribing my medicines, 15 minutes, 20 minutes out of the person's day. That person got a whole 23 hours and 40 minutes mm-hmm. that they live in their life. You know what I'm saying? they're not thinking about me. Yay! Like, hey. You know, they're not thinking about me. And they have, because of the historic way that the LGBTQ plus community, communities of color, have had to live, I'll say in this country, because that's where I am right now, um, not with, but in spite of, how they have learned to thrive in spite of mm-hmm. everything that have been has been done to uh, oppress minoritized communities. They now have tribes, people that they can trust, mm-hmm. their chosen families, that place on tears that I'm talking about, those safe people in spaces, right? So when it comes to whether or not I'm going to get um, vaccinated, whether or not I'm going to have the conversation about getting tested, that's who I'm going to go to, right? So those are my essential people. And so we had to collaborate with those people. But how do you collaborate with them? It's hard to tell a person that's a worship leader or a club promoter or um, host the ballroom, tell your people that it's going to work. Mm-hmm. No, we had to vaccinate them.
0: Yeah. That you makes know? perfect sense about how, you know, in some ways, and it, I get it because it's you can't look at a. You know, unless you're part of a community, you can not look at that community and go, "Oh, I clear, can clearly see you're the leaders," mm-hmm. um, because sometimes those things are less obvious. It's maybe not, you know, a position at work; it's a, a social standing. It's mm-hmm. kind of intangible factors like that. So, yeah. um, it makes sense. Um, and
1: then, in addition to that, mm-hmm. we know also science. You know, the life expectancy in Streeterville is ninety the life expectancy in Englewood is 60. So starting something at 65 just was not going to work, mm-hmm. you know, and we have a clinic in Englewood. <laughs> no, baby, no, we cannot be rolling like that. So we had to, in the city of Chicago, too, shout out, did make the adjustments necessary to serve people um, and focus. I don't usually super love the way we say target. We like to focus mm-hmm. in communities that have the opportunity to benefit from the vaccine, benefit from the testing, and then benefit from any o- other therapeutic or any prevention model that comes out.
0: That that still floors me. the The concept that something we, we you don't think about it the life expectancy factor of how you know um, Englewood might have mm-hmm. a life expectancy of sixty, and vaccine eligibility started at sixty five and up, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like that is. The mo- one of the most vulnerable communities that needs mm-hmm. it the most, but they aren't even offered the mm-hmm. the chance to to help themselves in that case. Uh, and when we
1: facilitate community healing, it's part of our obligation to think about that, yeah. and have those conversations. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's
0: just it's just never something that crossed my mind, but it it's so. Yeah, I, I need almost time to process it. Of like, when you look at it that way. it it made so much sense to me at a time like 65 and older. Great. That's my parents. They can get vaccinated, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, there's whole swaths of Mm -hmm. our population that that's doing the opposite of helping. So.
1: And what does that mean to that person's perceived quality of life? And what does it mean to that person's perceived worthiness from other people? How they view, you know, and now it's like, mm -hmm. well, come to me now and believe what I'm telling you. And it's like, wait, you, you obviously didn't consider me because you started this algorithm, you know? So it's, you know, going back to the niche that Howard Brown has, um we are a diverse group of providers and healers on every level it's not just when you see us it's just not the physician or advanced practitioner sitting in the room delivering care we have a whole host of people behind us standing with us coming in front of us that are helping us deliver what looks like affirming care to the people we're so honored to serve
0: yeah, I love that concept, like you said, of the, you know, everybody has 23 hours and 40 minutes of the day that they're not at the doctor's office. With
1: people that I trust.
0: <laughs> right, exactly, with people that they actually trust and yeah. are, are doing their best for them. So if we haven't been giving these communities uh, our best and haven't been considering them, how can we expect them to turn on and be like, yeah, trust us unequivocally. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's almost like, you know, not make your bed now lie in it, sort yep. of thing. But it feels a little bit like that. Of like, yeah. how how can we be angry that people aren't listening to us if mm-hmm. we haven't really been listening to them?
1: And that's why it's important for us. So healing not only looks like offering this vaccine in a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, offering the testing um, before other people realize that it needs to be offered in a certain neighborhood. It looks at it looks like showing up at you know the back to school parade, um, showing up at the neighborhood functions that have everything to do with wellness Mm -hmm. but nothing to do with medicine
0: Yeah, you know
1: and because that's where true healing we said we facilitate community healing that's where true healing happens because when I see you caring for the community when it's more than time to get a vaccine more than time to get you know to talk about this vaccine that CDC you know that's how going back to the diverse community of providers that's how we develop that and that's how we nurture that and that's also part of our obligation to this healing work that we do. And that's also why Howard Brown is found in communities, you know, when it's medicine time, but also before, after, you know, midnight, eight o'clock in the, in, you know, in and, the morning and all day, you know, round yeah. the clock. Yes.
0: I love that. I, yeah, I think especially right now when, when community health and medicine is so front of mind, it's. It's almost equally as important what happens after the masks come off and mm-hmm. the pandemic leaves uh, the public conscious. Uh, mm. How can we, how can we continue to set these communities up for success if something like this happens again? Oh, uh, wow. Because
1: you we, just touched my <laughs> because you know I, you know how they, I wasn't going to say nothing, mm-hmm. but um, that's what it means if you look at what's happening because. The lessons that remember they said, COVID ripped the band aid off inequities and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, it ripped the band aid off, but the inequities was already there. Right. And so, realizing that, and that's why I am, I'll just say this here, Howard Brown was on that affirming from all walks of life train before. You're talking, you just talking about COVID, but mm-hmm. let's talk about LGBTQ health. Let's talk about, you know, let's talk about all of this. Being on that train before, like you said, everybody wants to jump on mm-hmm. and, you know, in, in the life of people, just like COVID, the mask will come off and Howard Brown will be that tribe that's standing and saying, hey, I'm gonna stand for you right. and because that's part of who we are and what we do.
0: I love that. And I don't. I can't think of a better way to kind of round out our time together. I, we, I feel I have a feeling we could sit and talk for, for a while because this is so fun. Mm-hmm. And COVID is just such a big topic. Um, final thoughts, anything that you want to make sure our listeners get out of this that I didn't bring up? Mm-hmm. Anything like that?
1: Well, I, I would say when it comes to COVID, but like we're saying, when it comes to any form of realized wellness for all humans and everybody in our community, It has to be, we have to stand on, all of us together and none of us without all of us.
0: I love that. And that's so eloquently put. Maya, thank you for your time. Um, Thank you for coming. This has been great.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And that will do it for our episode today. Our guest has been Maya Green. If you need more information about Howard Brown's response to the pandemic, you can go to www.howardbrown.org. Make sure to get vaccinated, get boosted, and be kind to one another. Thanks for listening.